welcome to the Sterling Foursquare Church Podcast. Our mission is to offer hope for the broken, lives that are thriving, the equipping of believers, and the launching of leaders. More info can be found at sterlingfoursquare.com. Thank you for joining us today. Well, good morning. I'm excited to see you here. And those of you who I see in faith online, welcome. We're excited to have you with us. And I just want you to know that I have been praying for you. Uh, I've been praying for each of you, not necessarily by name, but certainly in corpus uh, all week, because we've been in a sermon series entitled Journey to Freedom, and as we begin to take steps moving into the freedom that is ours in Christ, very often we come face to face with obstacles that begin to impede our progress. And as we've been walking through Jesus' intention for you to live a life of freedom, as we've been looking at examples in Scripture of where he brought that type of of divine uh, healing and freedom in people's lives, and as last week Pastor Tom talked about the, the truth that in Christ you are set free from sin, as we've kind of made that progression and moved forward in that journey, you've probably started to bump into some opposition. And we're going to be talking a little bit about that this morning, because the circumstances that we live into, the experiences that we have, uh, the, the things that become kind of the residual of the life that we live, oftentimes would suggest to us maybe that we're not as free as we are told that we are, or that we're not able to experience the freedom that is really ours in Christ. Uh, but we began the series with this, that, that in Christ, in, in Christ, you have been set free. Like in, in Christ, you have been set free. That, that's been settled to some degree, but we struggle with walking that out and experiencing that. You've been set free from sin. You've been set free from bondage. There is healing and wholeness that is on offer in Christ. You've been made whole in Jesus, and you can receive and experience that healing and wholeness in every area of your life. But often... We have a word spoken into our lives that would suggest the opposite. There are things that we hear, sometimes spoken verbally by individuals, but oftentimes implied by our life circumstances that would suggest a condemning word and would suggest that though we're told our life can change and we can experience something different, that it's not actually true, that it's out of reach for us. And oftentimes it implies this, it implies you will always be this way, dot, 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 whatever that looks like. It was a few weeks ago, uh, Beth and I were sitting around the dinner table with our kids, and uh, our kids were kind of being chippy at one another. Uh, They were talking a little bit of smack. Uh, I know that they don't get that from their mom, so it must be from one of their uncles, because of course it couldn't be... (laughs) from dad, but they were, they were chipping at each other a little bit, and we just, we pumped the brakes on dinner, and we just kind of had a conversation about our words and the power of those, and Pastor Beth shared a story of when she was a little girl, she loved to sing, loved to sing, until somebody told her that her voice wasn't very good, and at that word, that, that sense of less than, that diminishment, She was done singing. 
And for you and I to, to have her lead us in corporate worship, to, to have her even speak from the communicating platform to bring the word, like, like she has a, a great voice, not just for, for singing, but for proclaiming the truth of who God is and, and being used in so many wonderful ways. Like it, it's a hard thing for us to think that anybody would ever suggest that to her. But you and I, we've all had common experiences like that, haven't we? Where somebody has spoken something into our lives and it has caused a less than to be received in us. And many times we struggle with embracing and experiencing the freedom that Jesus intends for our lives because of what is spoken to us about the experiences that we have. Sometimes, again, that's a, a person maybe directing something, but oftentimes it's just the circumstances of our life. We're confronted probably daily, but certainly weekly, with our sin and our shortcomings and our failures. Most of us don't need somebody to point those things out. We know those things to be true of us. We bump into the places in our life that are still hurt and raw, where we're wounded. We're surprised at times by our grief that still seems so fresh. And all of those don't feel like freedom when we experience them. And so we know that we have freedom in Christ. We have that spoken over us, but then the, our, the experiences that we have would, make, would, would feel like or suggest that that freedom is out of reach and that we're always going to be bound or hurt or broken or less than or diminished, that we're always going to fall short and fail. And they seem to speak, maybe not to you, but to me, I told you so. You're always going to be like that. And as we've been talking about freedom and as we've been fostering a hope for what Jesus has to offer us, it is very likely that in the last couple of weeks you've dealt with that issue. Where you have had circumstances in life or maybe a vocal voice say, I told you so. You will always be like that. But Jesus would speak a different word over you. And he would speak freedom into your life today. And we're going to wrestle with those two experiences. If you've got your Bible, go ahead and get those out. If you've got a smartphone or your tablet, go ahead and open that up to your Bible app. Lord, we ask that you would give us soft hearts to receive from your word today. Lord, that you would give us courageous hearts, bold hearts to respond in faith. Lord, that you would give us a willing strength to step into the freedom that is already secured for us in Jesus. Increase our faith. And Lord, may we share the freedom that we found in you with others this week. Use us to be heralds of that good news in Jesus' name. Amen. So a lot of times when it comes to experiencing the freedom of Christ in our lives, we struggle with reconciling our experiences and the way that we feel with what we know to be true or what we see expressed in Scripture as promises or as examples for how we could be living. And so we, we try to reconcile these things in our lives. And I just want you to know that that struggle to try to reconcile aligning the experience with your life with what Scripture says is yours already, that that's not unique to you, uh, and it's not unique to us, and it's not unique to the American church, and it's not unique to this time period. 
I love looking at the life of the Apostle Paul because he struggled to reconcile this as well. He was very familiar with this type of struggle. And if you, you look at Paul's letters to the church, the Apostle Paul writes often about you being a new creation, right? That, that you have been made new. He says to, to put off the old man and put on the new. There's, there's this, uh, this wrestling out, this new identity in Christ versus kind of all the residual old you that still has a way to kind of peek in and say, hey, what's going on? What are we doing today? And so he, he talks about this a lot. And when he was considering his own sin, his own shortcomings, his own places where he kind of missed it or, or was wrestling through walking into the fullness of God's faithful promises, uh, he, write it, uh, he wrote it down for us. In Romans chapter 7, and we've spent a lot of time at different places in the book of Romans, maybe for your own private devotion, you might read through that in this next month. It would be maybe a helpful exercise for you. But in Romans chapter 7, Paul gets to this place where he's looking at his life in relation to the way that he knows it should be lived and what he knows to be true about who Jesus is and what he does to bring liberty in our lives. And he begins to describe his present thoughts in this way. And I think all of us can relate. In Romans chapter 7, verse 21, he says this. He says, so I find this law at work. This is what's true of my experience. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work in me. What a wretched man am I who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death. Can you, can you relate to that? I think we can all relate to this. What he's saying is, in my heart of hearts, I want to be everything that God has designed me to be. In my heart of hearts, I want to be a man of God. I want to be a man of righteousness. But it seems like every time I make progress, it seems like every time I break free, there's this kind of ball and chain that's still with me. There's something that's still lurking just beneath the surface, and I'm constantly having to press back the old man, trying to be the new man, to step into the new creation, new identity in Christ, but I still seem to be reminded of the old me every day. Who's going to help me? What, what am I going to do about this? I love that he, he pens such a desperate statement. I'm wretched. And I can't save myself. He's really wrestling with this idea of living a double life, having competing voices in his head, all of the things that are so familiar to you and I. He knows that there's freedom in Christ, but it doesn't seem like he's always experiencing that. And as he moves from this, we're going to look at some verses that are very helpful for us today to reconcile that tension. Because there is going to be a tension in stepping into the freedom that Christ has for you. You will take a step and you will feel like you're dragging something with you. There will be a tension as you begin to grow into the identity that is yours in Christ. 
sometimes feeling like you're caught in a double life, sometimes fighting with the voices that are contradictory in your mind and in your heart. And so we're going to look at what it looks like to step into freedom with that tension this morning. And if you're a note taker, there's going to be three C's that we talk about today, three things that would be really, really helpful for us to understand. We're going to compartmentalize them into kind of three separate sections so that we can align our thoughts uh, and organize those, but also to align them with truth so that we can apply it in our lives. Because most of the time, these three things, we lump into one plate of problems, and then we have a really hard time making forward progress. And those three things are this. The first C is consequences. Consequences. We're going to talk a little bit about, a little bit about those. Those are important to recognize and understand because they are a part of our experience that gives us a sense of really what we're feeling and, and how we're in, uh, interpreting our present circumstance. The second one is condemnation. This is going to be really important for you and I to recognize, to be able to, to sniff it out when it's around and to know appropriately what to do, how to respond to that. And the third one is a word called conviction. And how do we receive this and move forward in a way that's healthy, that aligns us with the freedom that God has for us. And again, most of the time when it comes to the experience of the life that you have, when you're wrestling with this idea of last week being free from sin, but still seemingly to sin, when you know that you have freedom promised in Christ, but you still feel bound, when you're wrestling out, how do I practically step into that? Oftentimes, these three things get put into one big lump on a plate, and we can't differentiate enough to actually make forward progress. Consequences, condemnation, and conviction are very, very different, but they're all a part of the tension that we're talking about this morning. And so we're going to start with consequences. And you all know this already. Your actions, your decisions, the activity of your life has consequences. Good or bad, consequences. That when you put things into motion... They cause reactions, all, all, all of those kind of things, even, even to the idea of scientific theories that we know that we can count on. There are consequences, and consequences are important for us to understand. In Romans chapter 6, verse 23, Paul talks a little bit about what the consequence in our life is when sin is a part of the equation. Okay, whether it's willful rebellion, whether it's something that is self-destructive, whether it's an activity that we align ourselves with and we perform, or whether it is something that happens to us because of the decisions uh, of another or just the brokenness of the systems of this world. And he says this, he says, for the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. Whenever sin is in part, uh, a part of the equation, in any, in any variety, it's going to cause a diminishment and a decay. And there are times where we see this immediately, right? Where there's an actual physical death or there's a death of a dream or a relationship or something like that, that immediately as a decision or as an activity is engaged in, that that's it, it's final. And then sometimes it sets in motion a really slow decay that leads to the same result. But whenever sin is a part of what is taking place, there is a less than consequence. There is a result. 
And when you and I are looking at our lives, when we know that we have freedom in Christ, but we still see the consequences of sin in our life impacting us and the, the consequences of others, lives and decisions doing the same thing, we can, we can begin to second guess whether or not this freedom is really something that we have. But consequences are real. Actions have consequences. And the other thing is, is that we are responsible. In Romans chapter 3, verses 23 and 24, Paul reminds the church that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That word sin, it means to err. It means to miss the mark. A really good way to think of it is you're misaligned with the plans and the purposes and the intentions of God. And whenever we are out of alignment, there will be diminishment. We will hurt ourselves or others. We will cause damage to the beauty that God intends for our lives and for the world around us. There are consequences and there is responsibility as a result of those that you and I were answerable for our choices and our responses and the actions that we take. But some of this happens to us. Sometimes you just get up and you go to work and then you get blasted by somebody else and you weren't looking for that. Sometimes you walk through difficulties and hardships and circumstances in life, and it's, it's not experience of even your own making. You're just caught up in what is taking place around you, feeling lost and helpless oftentimes in, in those moments. But those consequences are really real, and they do impact us. And if we don't uh, allow for those to be properly perceived, then they really they, they take our legs out from under us. If you look at what Paul's talking about in Romans chapter 7, when he says, hey, I delight in the word of God, but man, I don't seem to see that all the time in my life. He's considering the consequences of what's taking place in the world around him. He's considering the consequences of his own actions. He's considering the consequences of the actions of others the cause-effect nature of the life that we live, and he's wrestling that out, and he feels desperate and helpless. What a wretched man am I? Who's going to help? What do I do about this? And what's simultaneously true for you and I is that if you have received Christ as your Lord and Savior, you walk in freedom, but you still have to deal with life's consequences. And the reality of those things shouldn't negate the truth of the freedom that is yours in Christ Jesus. There's even freedom for you as you walk through the consequences. Some of those difficulties are of your own making. You willfully raised your hand and said, yeah, I'm going to do that. You chose to misalign the trajectory of your life to go with sin and down that road, and it produced all kinds of havoc in you and in others. And some of those areas in your life, those were things that happened to you. They're just as damaging and just as destructive. And even with those things still present, as you may be walking through those, there's still freedom in this moment and there's healing on the other side. It doesn't change the freedom that you have in Christ. It will actually magnify that if you will go through this process and allow him to bring freedom and healing in spite of those things. And the beautiful thing is in verse 25, he says, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. He answers his question. Man, I'm jacked up. Who's going to help me? Wait a minute. I know the answer to that. Jesus. Jesus. In Christ, you have freedom. In Christ, you are made whole. 
In Christ, you have liberty. In Christ, you are aligned with the plans and purposes of God for your life. In Christ, all of those things are true. Apart from Christ, none of those things are true. But in Him, they are. And in Christ, the beautiful thing about the consequences, when we're really dealing with a sense of uh, remorse, maybe, for the life that we've lived, in Christ, we are free to receive forgiveness and move forward. It may not liberate you from having to deal with the consequences, but you no longer have to carry the shame or the guilt. You can walk in freedom. And with that thought, with that revelation, with that declared truth, Paul begins to kind of shift his thinking as he's writing to the church in Rome about these issues. And he moves from this idea to Romans chapter 8, verses 1 and 2, and he leaves the idea of consequence and starts dealing with this issue of condemnation. He says this about you and I in Christ, therefore... So because Jesus is the answer, because freedom is in him, because all of those things are already secured in his person, and I'm in Christ, this is now the result of my life. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit, who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. Pastor Tom touched on this last week, that you have been set free from the power of sin and the power of death in your life, that you can actually walk free from those things that once held you and bound you. But as soon as you begin to exercise that, usually condemnation shows up and says, no, 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 you don't. You're the same and you'll always be the same. That's what condemnation does. I'm going to give you four aspects of condemnation so that you can recognize this because here's the, here, here's, here's the truth, church. If you've received Christ as your Lord and Savior, condemnation does not apply to you anymore. You don't have to receive this. You don't have to listen to this. You don't have to bear the weight of it and you don't have to be suffocated by the voice that brings condemnation. Put a stamp on it, return it to sender. It's not yours. But this is how we should understand it. I'm going to give you some thoughts. I'm going to tell you what it is, what it sounds like so you can recognize it, what it results in. So if you don't pick out what's being spoken, you can look at the result of what it's doing in you and you can say, no, I need to respond to this differently. And what it's trying to state as a fact over your life. And we're going to do the same thing with conviction in just a moment. But condemnation, what is it? This word means an adverse sentence. It's a judgment done over no appeal. That's what condemnation means. It would feel like a life sentence in a sense that it would never end. But in the way that you would experience it, it would feel like a death sentence because you'd feel like your life is over. There is no condemnation. There is no judgment of finality. There is no judgment without appeal for those in Christ Jesus. In fact, you have already been declared righteous in Christ. But condemnation is an adverse life sentence that feels like death and leads to it. What does it sound like? It sounds like accusation. It sounds like accusation. 
And an accusation is an assumed truth that's being levied against you, oftentimes partial. It's not the whole story. If you've ever been uh, collared and uh, arrested for a crime and there's an accusation, here, here's the accusation. It's just kind of black and white, and it's just according to what we know, this is what we're accusing you of. And then you go through a whole process of finding out whether or not that's the whole truth or whether it even applies to that individual at all. But an accusation is, is, pretty, uh, is, is pretty straightforward. You can think of it like this in the sense of a spiritual scope to move it out of just kind of a literal legal environment. It's like half a truth that comes with a hammer. It's not the whole truth in love. An accusation levies a statement against you that says this is how you are and you will always be and you will never be but what you are this moment. That's condemnation. It's not how the Lord speaks to his kids, but it's certainly how the enemy of your soul will speak to you if you want freedom in your life. And here's how you can tell whether condemnation is something that you are responding to because here's the result. It is shame and retreat. When this is spoken over you and when you receive this, it causes a shame and you retreat. You retreat from those around you who would be trying to speak health and wholeness to you. You'll retreat from your brothers and sisters in Christ who will be trying to encourage you daily as scripture tells us to and you will certainly retreat from the presence of God because you will feel as if you are not welcome in that place. You'll be like a little girl who loves to sing, who has somebody say, you can't, and so you won't, and you will retreat inside and you will hide there, unless something breaks that, unless something changes that. And here's the statement of fact over your life when condemnation speaks to you, it tells you that it is over. Your life's over, that dream or that hope of freedom, that desire, that plan and purpose for God, nope, it's over, because dot, dot, dot. And scripture says that there is no condemnation for those who are Christ Jesus. In Revelations chapter 12, it gives a picture of Satan before the throne room of God, and he is identified there as the accuser of the saints, the accuser of the brothers and sisters in Christ. And it says that he stands before the throne room of God, pretty audacious if you ask me, and he accuses us day and night, that he's constantly bringing accusation about you and I before the throne of God. And it's a half-truth. So all the stuff that you struggled this week, all the places that you erred and fallen short, all the places where you chose to live your life out of alignment with the Spirit of God, all of those things are true of you, but only part true. And the enemy takes those and presents those before the throne of God and says, see, they're still the same. She's still like that. He's still like this. There'll never be anything different. Look, these are all true of you and I. But that's only half of it. Because in Christ, you have been made righteous. In Christ, you have received grace. In Christ, you have been reconciled and redeemed. In Christ, you are a new creation. And the accusation is of the old, but you are the new. In Colossians chapter 1, it says that we were once alienated from God, that we were enemies in our minds because of our evil behavior. These things were true of us. But now, God has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you, look at this, holy in his sight. See, the, the accusation is that you're still dead in your sin but the whole truth is you are now alive in Christ Jesus. 
It's not over in Christ. That you are without blemish and free from accusation. And so as we move in this journey towards freedom, if you hear a word, if you are presented a half-truth of who you are, and it is going to be highlighted by the consequences of the decisions maybe you made this week. Those are true, and those consequences are going to be have, have to be walked through, but the condemnation that comes on the tail of it, you do not have to receive. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus, and you can walk into the freedom that is in front of you. And maybe you missed it a couple times last week, but that doesn't mean it's off the table. And it doesn't mean that you aren't new in Christ. It means you're wrestling out the tension of what it means to know who you are and to receive that identity and to apply it to the daily way that you live your life. The third thing that comes into play is called conviction. So you've got consequences. We've covered that. Condemnation, you need to recognize it and you need to return that. Conviction, what is it? Conviction means to prove what is true. It means to reveal the truth. In John chapter 16, verse 8, is, Jesus is speaking to the Holy Spirit. He says this. He says, when he comes, when the Spirit of God comes, he's going to prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. In those chapters, Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as the Spirit of truth as well. One of the roles of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer is to come to you and I and to address the places in our lives where we are still walking in sin, where our life is misaligned, and to bring that to our attention, not to accuse us, not to put shame on us and cause us to retreat from the presence of God, but to make us aware of our need so that we can come to Jesus and have it addressed. Conviction is always something that invites. Condemnation sounds like accusation. Conviction sounds like revelation. It's going to reveal the whole truth in love. Several uh, years ago, I was in the middle of a message, just kind of at the front side beginning of it. This was before live stream, thankfully, because I'm sure somebody would have snapped part of this and turned it into some type of meme or something like that. But I had just started my message, and my wife was trying to get my attention in the front row. And like I was just kind of getting into it. I was just kind of getting my groove, and I was trying to go on. But she kept just trying to call my attention to something. And so I was kind of talking, kind of a little bit distracted. And then finally I caught into what she was saying. Uh, your zipper's down. Right? And we don't have like a, there's no big podium up here. This is what we've got. There's no place to hide around. I didn't have a slide where I could be like, hey, watch this video and then like try to do the sly move or anything like that. And again, live stream, you can be thankful that you didn't have to see this. It was just the people in house at that service. And so I was like, what? Like, oh, my zipper's down. It was like, there were, like there's no hiding that. I was like, sorry, everybody. And like, I dressed it. Then I went back to my message. I'm sure it was super smooth. I don't remember the date, and you'll have to search through our archives, and you'll have to listen to every one of those messages. It would probably do you good anyway, so if you're interested, you can go on the hunt and the search. But somebody who cares about you is going to tell you that your zipper's down, that you've got food in your teeth, that you were too harsh in the way that you spoke to your spouse, that you were foolish with your finances that you've drawn distance between you 
and your brothers and sisters in Christ who are trying to encourage you into the things of God. Like a good friend is going to call your attention to things that are in your life that are causing damage to your life. And that's what conviction looks like. The Holy Spirit comes and he says, hey, you're not living in alignment here. And it doesn't come with accusation and shame and retreat. And it doesn't tell you that it's over. It comes with an invitation to come to Jesus in godly sorrow and repentance so that you can be made whole. It actually comes with freedom on the other side of it. Condemnation sounds like accusation. Conviction sounds like revelation. Condemnation results in shame and retreat. Conviction results in sorrow and repentance that draws you to the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 7 says that godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation. That word salvation is wholeness. And it leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. And where condemnation will speak into your life, it's, fin- or, uh, it's over. Like your life is over, that dream is over, what, what, what you were hoping for, like it's done and there's no hope. The Holy Spirit will speak, it is finished. He'll speak the words of Jesus on the cross. It's already done. You've, your freedom's already secure. The victory is already at hand. All you have to do is possess it and walk into it. We're not free from consequences. And whenever there's misalignment, whenever we err, whenever there's sin and we miss the mark, it's always going to bring a diminishing return in our life. It's going to have a negative impact. But we are, you are free from condemnation. And so when the Holy Spirit says, hey, look at what is being produced in your life, let's deal with that, deal with it, and draw closer to Jesus. Don't hear a condemning voice that brings accusation that makes you draw further from him. We are free to receive forgiveness and to walk in the freedom that is already secured in Christ for each one of us. Church family, I'm going to invite you to stand and worship team if you would come forward. We're going to allow the Lord to search our hearts in a couple different ways this morning and lead us towards a response. I'm going to ask you just for these next couple of moments to close your eyes, just to close out distractions around you. Just allow your heart to be quiet before the Lord. And as we talk about these issues of condemnation and conviction, drawing a distinction between those and being able to recognize those, there's an opportunity for us to respond to one or the other. Some of you, as we began this series, some of you who have been journeying with us as we've been journeying to freedom, you've bumped into this already. You've had the circumstances of your life tell you that it will never be different. You've heard something spoken in your heart or in your mind that has accused you and brought shame. It's resulted in you retreating from the Lord, from His goodness, from His grace, retreating from the presence of God, maybe retreating from brothers and sisters in Christ who have been trying to walk with you arm in arm, shoulder in shoulder to encourage you to step into the freedom that is yours. You've been suffocated by a condemnation that's been speaking lies of bondage into your life. And this morning, you need to let those go. You need to hear the voice of Jesus speak freedom into your life. You need the 
words of Paul to ring out that there are no, there's no condemnation for you in Christ Jesus. You need to receive that in faith anew and step into the fullness of what that could look like in these coming weeks. And yes, there's consequences. Yes, there's still things that you're dealing with. But you get to walk through that with Jesus and it leads to freedom, leads to wholeness in that process. And then some of you, as we have been journeying to freedom, the Holy Spirit has been trying to get your attention. The Holy Spirit has been trying to draw your heart to issues in your life where God wants to bring liberty and change, places where you have just identified with your brokenness to a degree that you would not let it go and receive healing. Places where you have allowed willful compromise to stay and to retain just that room in the heart, just that place. All the others, maybe you've submitted to the Lord and you're, you're walking in rightness. But this one misalignment has been allowed to remain. The Spirit of God has been looking to convict you, to convince you that your zipper's down, that you've got food in your teeth, that there's something in your life that needs to be dealt with in order for you to walk into wholeness. And rather than responding to that, you've looked to avoid it, to provide excuses, to remain where you are. And this morning, we need to run to Jesus. We need to run to Jesus. All of the promises that we looked at today, they're all in Christ. All of the freedom that we've spoken of, all of the, the results of fruitfulness in our life, they're, they're all in Christ, and they can't be found anywhere else. And so, Lord, we come to you today. Jesus, we, we run to you. And some of us have been uh, driven by accusation. We've been suffocating under condemnation. We've retreated in shame from you. And Lord, we receive your invitation today to come out of the shadow, to come out of that cloud of darkness, to retreat from that shame and to run into your arms, to run to the freedom that is ours in Jesus. Lord, we cry out, what a wretched man I am, and we come to you. You deliver us. And Lord, some of us have run from the accountability your Holy Spirit has looked to provide for us. You've been trying to convince us of what is true and our need to allow those things to be addressed. And Lord, we repent in both of those cases. And we receive your healing and your freedom in full today. And Lord, as we take just the next baby steps into this week in our journey to freedom, Lord, let us do it with a newfound Holy Spirit conviction that we're already free in Christ. Help us to recognize the voice of condemnation and to not receive it. Lord, help us to be bold and courageous as we have to deal maybe with consequences and give us a soft heart that we would hear your spirit, that we would know your conviction. And help us in all of these areas, Lord, to run to you with our great need. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. Action steps for this week. If you've got a smartphone or a tablet, you can snap a picture of it. Otherwise, you can catch these online later on this week. But number one, refuse condemnation, right? You hear the accusation. It's the half-truth with a hammer. You don't need to hold on to that. Number two, receive the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Begin to develop a soft heart towards the Lord. When he tells you you got something in your teeth, admit it and allow him to begin to help you address it. But number three, whether you're dealing with condemnation or conviction, make sure that your result is that you run to Jesus as you learn to walk through those things.